With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, so, the teaching... Uh, I think I'm the teacher for next month, I think. I don't know. If I'm not, then I'm going to take it over. And we're going to be uh, looking at First Timothy for the time that I'm going to be teaching. Uh, which is a really interesting book with lots and lots of things that we could talk about. So... I wrote three or four different uh, teachings today before I decided to go with this one. So if you don't like it, just ask me to do the other ones. You'll like those last. Like in the middle? Yeah. Like this one sucks. Just switch into it. Go to a different one. That would be much better. Okay. So if you have a Bible something or other, you can go to 1 Timothy 1. I don't think there's one up there right now. I can get something. Do you want me to get something? I'll just grab my phone. There's, there's something with a Bible-like bookmark in it. Oh, okay. Sweet, oh, the ribbon. It's got a ribbon. I was going to say, I have a fancy Les Mis book up there on the shelf that has a ribbon in it, so that might be... First Timothy what? First Timothy 1, like the beginning. 1-1. One, one. Okay. We're going to ruminate on the, ruminate is a nice big word for think, uh, about the, uh, about discipleship today and First Timothy. So we're going to think about discipleship. Uh, so, <coughs> Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of our God and Savior and Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you can command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. These promote controversies rather than God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have wandered away from these and turn to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they don't know what they're talking uh, about or what they so confidently affirm. We know the law is good if one uses it properly. We know also know that the law is not made for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, and those who kill their fathers or mothers or for murderers or for adulterers and perverts or for slaves and traitors and liars and perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine that conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which he has entrusted to me. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he has considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. For that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me the worst of sinners... 
Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies that were made about you, so that by following them you can fight the good fight and holding on to faith with a good conscience. Some have rejected these and shipwrecked their faith. Among those are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. So, yes, question away. So, in verse 10, yep. wait. Yes, it can be translated homosexuals. Like, well, no. They say the sexual immoral and men who practice homosexuality enslavers and liars. But like in the NIV that you probably just read, it leaves yeah. out the homosexual side of it. Yeah, it says perverts instead. It translates it to perverts. It, the new NIV, the newest recent translation of the NIV, it has it changed it back to homosexuality, to 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 men who practice homosexuality instead of to, just perverts. Because everything else kind of lined up yeah. very well. And Except that part. the ESV uses bigger words. Yeah, Which makes it a little bit harder to read. <laughs> out loud, I mean, when you're reading it. For study, it's a good one. Okay, it's also just what I grabbed. No, actually, when I read through it here, I noted that in my mind too because when I was studying, I was using my computer, so I was using the new NIV one to, get, and it was. Anyways, good catch. Lots of things to catch in there. Like I love the last line of the chapter. I handed them over to be sate, to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. What? So he said, here, Satan, why don't you teach them don't blaspheme against God? That's a crazy thing to think about, uh, but too little of a note to go on for all of discipleship. Although, I think it does have... I don't know, maybe I'll come back to it another week. It actually might be an interesting thing. Instead, today what I want to talk about is uh, what we did our game on and what we just talked about when we went around the room and uh, think a little bit about discipleship. This is a discipleship letter from Paul, Right? Uh, discipleship so kind of an overall uh, uh, terminology of what I'm saying when I mean disciple I'm talking about disciple in the way that the biblical uh, like language would have talked about it. I, when I say biblical I shouldn't say that I should say like first century Christians would have understood disciple to mean someone who literally follows someone else right if you all heard of this before, it's like a disciple of a rabbi literally went around with that rabbi from village to village, following them, personally being with them, learning their teachings so that they could go and teach other people. And so when they talk about disciple, that's the immediate, the immediate idea is not, uh, is kind of couched in like someone who, who follows you, someone who you have a relationship with, someone who's close to you. So, uh, when they when they talk about like when Jesus says go and make disciples, uh, the idea is they'll go and and meet people or be with people that they already know or whatever it is, people that they have relationship with. So we went around the room and we talked about people you already have relationship with. What I think is really interesting about Paul's letter to Timothy is that Timothy is obviously a disciple of Paul, and discipling kind of creates this ladder. You see it in in First Timothy here. Uh, where Jesus is at the top. Paul is a disciple of Jesus. Paul is following Jesus. And then Timothy is a disciple of Paul and a disciple of Jesus. Does that make sense? Just seeing what I'm saying. And Paul, actually, we could say he was a disciple of the apostles. 
or Barnabas, who taught Paul the faith, kind of uh, took him under his wing and said, when he had his vision and said, here, we're going to... So, so Paul's had someone above him too, but at the top is always Jesus. Does that make sense? And then Timothy, if you keep looking through here, Timothy is commanded to teach some people something. Teach those certain men not to... to uh, where is it? Uh, certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer. Those people who you have authority over to teach, teach them not to teach false doctrines. Which shows you even further that those men had authority over somebody else, that they were teaching not sound doctrine to, they were teaching false doctrine to, but somewhere they were teaching someone else. So you can see kind of the system of everybody's being taught by someone and everybody's turning around and teaching someone in this kind of ladder that's like forming throughout the beginning here. Now at the top of that is always Jesus. The top of that is always Jesus. So it's not, Timothy wouldn't say, oh, I'm a disciple of Paul and just stop there. He would say, uh, you know, Paul is one of my teachers, but he's teaching me about Jesus. and He's teaching me the way of Jesus. We're all trying to walk on this way of Jesus. So I like the image of a ladder a little bit because we're all climbing up this ladder to Jesus. We're trying to get to the way of Jesus. But we've got people along the way that help us. What's interesting about it is, um, or what I find really interesting about uh, about discipling is, we often, I think, uh, get nervous about discipling uh, because we recognize our need to be discipled. We all, I read the line here where Paul says, I'm the worst of sinners. And I'm like, oh yeah, like, I can feel that. And, and a lot of us, I think, can feel like, yeah, I know what I do. It's really bad. And so I feel this need for like, yes, I'm the worst of sinners. So I know I need someone to be speaking into my life somehow about, you know, about Jesus, about giving me some, some faith. And so if I would have gone around the room at the beginning and said, let's start with someone who's more spiritually mature than you that you really look up to. We probably could have gone through that a lot faster. Probably could have said, I mean, maybe not. Maybe some of you would struggle. But my guess is that we probably would have been to go a little faster. Like, I really look up to this person when it comes to faith stuff. I, I really, really uh, model whatever, you know, I would like to be like them. Okay. But we struggle a little bit more on the other side, which is we're called to be disciples, but we're also called to disciple. We're, it's an action that's ongoing. And who do we do that with? So we had a game this morning, and the game is an excellent example of what we do. Um, it wasn't based on age, right? Like the person who's, who you think is more spiritually mature than you and you're kind of looking up to, or the person that you are trying to work with who's less spiritually mature than you, might be older, might be your dad, right? Or your dad-in-law, uh, might be younger. It doesn't matter, spiritual maturity doesn't work on age. And just like our game, it didn't work on age. Once the adults started coming down, the kids had a lot to tell them. Just happened to be, they happened to be farther along. They had more knowledge to give you. And then the next person came behind you, and you suddenly, you didn't know the whole puzzle, but most of you didn't know the whole puzzle, but you knew enough to get them going. You knew enough to get them started. And that's kind of how the discipling model works. I don't have to know the whole puzzle to get you going on the way. I can tell you what I know. I can get you going on what I know. 
I don't have to have all the answers to the whole puzzle. But I know that you shouldn't go there. I went there, and I died. <laughs> okay, no, not really. But, like, that was bad. That one was bad. That's the wrong one. Start here. This is a great place to start. Start here. And then I went over here. I moved. I kept going on this path, and that was, that was a really good thing. So, so I think you should do that. And then I learned that I should go here. And then I learned don't go there, and then that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at right now. I learned, I learned that we shouldn't go there, and that's it. When it comes to faith, I think we get really scared sometimes to do that. To step out and say, uh, this, is, this is what I've learned so far. This is good stuff. We sometimes feel like, before I talk to you about faith, I need to get all my answers first. I need to gather all this stuff up. I need to know where the end point is. And then once I know where the end point is, I can come back and tell you. But really, it's just about reaching up that ladder to someone and saying, hey, I think you're a little bit further along in the way of Jesus stuff than me. Can you teach me what you know, what you've experienced, what you know from Scripture? And then as you learn things from them, you turn around to someone who's maybe a little bit less spiritual and say, hey, this is what I'm learning. And this is where I'm at, and this is where it stops. But this is what I don't know. But I think you could really use some of this. So there's this ladder of I'm reaching up, I'm learning things, and then I'm reaching down. I mean, another, another obvious uh, definition of a disciple is a learner. The disciple's always a learner. So uh, being a disciple of Christ, you're always learning things. And then being a discipler, where you're take, taking other people along with you, is, hey, this is what I learned. This is cool. Um, as a teacher, I love this idea because uh, one of my favorite things about teaching at Bethany is that I get bounced around all over the place. And sometimes that's stressful, but I actually like, I keep learning that way. And so like this year, uh, I get to teach uh, like African and Asian history. And I just started learning some new things about China. And so when I learned those new things about China, I got really excited to teach, turn around and teach those to the kids. I'm like, this is what I just found out about, and I think it's really cool. And they got really excited about that. Last year it was Mount Everest. I learned new things about Mount Everest. I was like, this is super cool. And I talked to the kids, and they were jazzed about it. Um, the same way with our faith. We reach up to someone who's also following Jesus. We learn some things. We're like, Whoa, this is cool. And we turn around and we... We share it with someone who's maybe a little less along the path. Okay, so one other note then before we wrap up of this is that uh, the, the whole discipleship method is based on uh, relationship. It's based on relationship. And so um, and so you're not you're not really being discipled if your discipler is uh, I'll use someone who I used to really like to listen to, Rob Bell, right? But you're not really being discipled from above if your person is someone you don't have a relationship with. Like you can hear all their teaching and you're learning, but that's not discipleship in a relational way. It's not specific enough. It's not, it's, not, it's not going through things with Jesus and your life and Andy's life and Julie's life and Daryl's life. It's, here's some good things that you should generally know, and that's great, right? That's great knowledge. But it's not, it's not really helping you follow Jesus in your specific life and your circumstances in the decisions that you have to make. Sometimes it helps. Sometimes it's, you know, 
God speaks through them at a perfect point. Because that's what God does, right? Sometimes God just uses that and says, I know you're going through this. But on a more consistent basis, discipleship is based out of relationship. And so that's why I also said someone who you know, like someone who have a relationship. Because I can name a lot of spiritually immature people that I don't know. And Joel is deep. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to say, you, see, you probably see some of them on TV. But... <laughs> but I'm not going to ever have a chance to, to really speak into their life. I could make a blog post and like get a billion hits on it, but probably <laughs> I don't have a blog that a billion people go to. But uh, but it's based out of relationship, and you can see you can see some of the the um, the the hints of that in First Timothy here. Like, what's the false doctrine that the teachers are teaching? It's endless myths and genealogies about the law. Doing a little research on this this week, what they what they think is that the these teachers were not uh, when you see myths as a Bible person, your first thought is the Gnostic people who came into the church and started teaching about this special knowledge thing that we've sometimes talked about other times. But they don't. But most scholars don't think this was another group that was coming to try to influence Christians because they said these men are under Timothy. So this was people within the church. These were probably. Of course, the church was all Jewish at this time too. I'll understand that. Like they weren't, they didn't think of themselves as Christian yet. They still thought they were Jewish, just following a different way. And this group that was under Timothy, they got they got really excited about teaching everybody the law. Here's the law. We're going to teach you all these expounded myths that surround the law, that further the things that you have to do under the law, the rules that you have to follow under the law. So we're going to be. We're teaching all these things and, and how you can trace your genealogy to, uh, to figure out how Jewish you are. And that's good. Like, this, is, this, is good this is good stuff. You can figure out how many rules and laws and things like that. So this is the, this is the sound doctrine, or the unsound doctrine that Paul says, you know, stop, stop expounding these rules that people have to follow. And one of the reasons are because Jesus came and made a new covenant and we have some freedom in that. Uh, to talk to Jesus about how we're going to live and not follow all the pharisaical laws. Okay. Another reason, though, is law often breaks relationship. You're not figuring it out together. You're not discipling when you say, hey, uh, this is a super awesome passage of the Bible. Take this and just do it. Just go do it. Now, you can change that to discipleship really quick. Here's a super awesome passage of the Bible. This is how it's played out in my life. Why don't you read it, and we'll talk about how, it's gonna, how it might play out in yours. Now we've changed it. Now we're discipling. Here's a book by Joel Osteen. Go read it. It'll change your life. That's not discipling. That's just giving, here's some more stuff that I think maybe you should do. Here's some more rules that you should follow. Now, it could be, here's Joel Osteen. I don't agree with everything he says, Read this and let's talk about it. Now you're discipling. Because anything that takes it outside of relationship is not really, it's, it's not the discipleship model that Paul is going to follow here with Timothy. Paul knows Timothy. He's been with Timothy. He's handwriting a letter to Timothy because he knows him. He's had a relationship with him. He tells him in the letter, I'm hoping to make it back to Ephesus soon. This is just for now. This is just what I can do for now. I'm hoping to come back and see you and be with you. And, let's... and then the rest of the letter goes through all these uh, personal stuff that Timothy's dealing with in Ephesus that Paul knows about because it's all based out of relationship. Um, 
And then Paul also goes... So that's one reason that you know it's re- that this is really relational, that this, this whole discipleship thing is really a, based in a relationship. Another reason you can see it's really based in a relationship is that Paul says, after he gives the command to Timothy to tell these men to stop teaching the sound doctrine, he says, this command is based out of love. This is based out of love. Because that's what discipleship has to be based out of. And of course, love isn't, I don't really want to deal with you. Here's some things I think you should do. Go away. That's not love. Love is, I do want to do, I do want to see you change. I'm going to stick through it with you. Let's figure this out. We're going to figure this out. We're going to work through this. And so Paul says, look, the command is based out of love. And those men have forgotten that. They've let go of that. He says um, they want to be, uh, they've wandered away and turned to meaningless talk. They've wandered away from love with a pure heart and sincere faith. They've wandered away from those things. Love with a pure heart and sincere faith. They just want to talk about things. They don't actually want to get into someone's life and do it. They don't, they don't want to be doing that with someone. Maybe they don't want to have, I mean, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if you connect this to the end verse of the chapter where he talks about abandoning Alexander and whatever the other guy's name is, Hymenius, uh, to Satan. It makes me wonder if what happened was Paul went to those guys and said, hey, uh, out of love, I want to tell you that I think that you guys are kind of off here. You're not, you know, and they said, well, we don't want to hear that from you. We don't want to be involved with you. And then he's like, okay, I don't have anything. If we're not going to be in a relationship, I don't have anything else I can really tell you. So <laughs> hand you over to Satan. <laughs> off you go to Satan. <laughs> uh, but there's this, there's this idea that, it's, that these things come out of love. And these men, apparently, their false teachings, their their discipling, it wasn't really out of love. It's out of something else. Uh, To feel good because people are taking their advice. I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing here. Uh, Because they really loved their scripture. And if they could get people to follow line by line all of their scripture, that would make them feel good. I mean, I'm I'm not sure what their motivation is. But apparently, Paul says their motivation isn't isn't out of love. Love only comes through actual... You can't have love without relationship. It's got to be that way. Um, and so then it's interesting to watch Paul follow... So he's just set up this... Okay, there's kind of this ladder of you're reaching up, you're reaching down. And it's got to be out of love. It's got to be out of relationship. And then it's interesting to watch Paul work through that here in this first chapter. So uh, what does Paul do since he's out of relationship with Timothy? He shares his experiences. So the second part where it says the Lord's grace to Paul, he's telling Timothy, here's what you should do. And then he says, mm, let me tell you how that worked out in my life. So this is what happened. I was the worst of sinners. And God's grace, he starts telling kind of his, like, this is, this is what happened in my life. So he shares his experiences with him. And then he's very specific to Timothy's situation. So within the relationship, he's sharing his experience. And he's like, and here's what's going on with you. You know Alexander and Hymaeus and these men who are teaching. This is, this is what I have to say to you. And actually, as we keep going on, you can see that he's going to keep saying, I know what you're dealing with with these women who keep talking in church. Tell them to be quiet. <laughs> That's in the next chapter. I can't wait until we get there. Um, he says, you know, but he basically says, I know what's going on in your church because I know you. I, like So... Here's what I would do in this situation. Or here's what I think God would do. 
But then, uh, and he even gives Timothy like very personal advice, like in chapter four, I think it is, is the chapter where he tells him to drink a little wine, which is great advice, right? Especially if you move across from a winery. He says, "Here, this is what you do." So he gives him. Pers- he's he's making this very relational all the way through. But the purpose of all of it is to go up that ladder to Jesus, and so Paul doesn't leave that out. He starts the letter. With grace, mercy, and peace, or grace, mercy, and peace from God, he says, "Listen, as we're doing this discipling thing, yeah, it's going to take this relationship between someone who maybe knows a little bit more, someone who knows a little bit less, all this kind of stuff. But you don't leave Christ out of that. You're doing it together with Christ. So here's my blessing from Christ. Let me share that with you, Timothy. Let me share that blessing. Let me share you share this with you. And then there's here's my story." Here's my personal experience about how Christ affected me, about what Christ did in me. Let me share that with you. Here is my prayer. At the end of uh, his story, he ends verse 17 by saying, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. So it's like a prayer, to, prayer blessing to God. Be, be glory and honor forever. Let me share that with you. Let's share this praise together too. And so the whole relationship that he's developing with Timothy, that he's continuing to work on, this whole discipleship uh, development, is not just, you know, whatever, we're just friends, we love each other, etc. It's also grounded in Christ. It's, this is what Christ has done in my life? Let me share that with you. This is what, this is how I'm, I'm praying right now. Let me share that with you. Let's do this together. Okay. So... Here's the take home. Take it with you. Four questions. Are you a disciple? Do you have someone that you can look up to and say, man, I want to share on what Christ is doing in your life because that's going to inform Christ in my life. We're doing the work together with Christ. Do you have someone that you can help disciple bring along to say this is what Christ is doing in my life this is the things that I'm learning uh, are you are you learning that would be a, that might be a question too so do you have someone but you're not listening to them <laughs> that might be bad so do you have someone that you can listen to are you learning from them are you passing that on to someone else telling them what Christ is doing um, and is that relationship? Are all those relationships gathered in Christ? And then we end with this. Where are we at? We've got a great group of disciples here great group of people that can come each other around each other in relationship here and say what is Christ doing in our lives Um, are you nervous about taking weekends away from your kids Uh, let's bring it together with Christ that's what disciples do are we nervous about our new job (laughs) I don't know if you still are or not but let's bring it together and take it to Christ are we nervous for the birth of a new baby (laughs) or scared about that let's take it to Christ together 
are we stressed or tired or you were overwhelmed with your job a couple of weeks ago? Uh, are we confused, joyful, broken, sad, ready to give up, whatever? When we get together, let's bring those together and take them to Christ, which I think we're trying to do. Um, it's always important in discipleship to take it to someone and then take it to Christ. I simplify my four questions. Are you discipling? Are you learning? Are you being a disciple to someone else? Are you checking with you? If I could simplify that all in one phrase, it would just be take it to someone. Whatever's going on in your life, take it to someone and then take it to Christ with them. Take it to someone. Take it to a person. That's God's provided around us to help us learn. And then together, take it to Christ. It's what Paul and Timothy are huddling around and doing in the whole book. The whole rest of the book is going to be them huddling around and saying, this is what's going on. Let's go to God with these things. And that's our model, too. Get together, take it to someone, or take it to Christ. So, we're only like 15 minutes past noon. Let's get together with someone and take it to Christ. Let's like pair up, pair off, whatever. Uh, talk about what's something that, that that's happened this week, and it can be good, bad. Uh, something's going to happen this next week. What's in here, and what's in here, and let's take it to Christ. Try to spend like five minutes on that. Pray with the other person. That'll be our end. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.